Hi, I'm Jerry House. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories, but you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart. And this podcast is not suitable for children, but then neither is the music business. So, light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. Everybody, everybody in the music business is, is a scammer. scammer. And it's true. And everybody wants to hustle and try to, you know, figure out how they can kind to of get the, the edge box. on everything. And we've seen a lot of people come to town with a lot of money and watch them think that they can throw all the money around and line everything up. And they, they end up getting all the top people, including, you know, ourselves in, in different capacities. Um but the, but some of them have been really, you know, interesting, good people to know. And, you know, we had a lot of fun with some of them. The first scammers that I met were these guys in Nashville that I don't think are alive anymore who were big producers. And they would advertise for people to send them their demos. And then they would say, I'll work with you on your demo and then I'll be able to get you a deal. And people would come here, you know, old oil guys with their little twirly granddaughters and her cowboy hat and they come into town and you know they sit down and play for these men and uh then they get all the musicians to work on their demo and you know like fifty thousand dollars later they would take it to somebody and you know probably no one would ever take it but that was a big scam that went down in town and people still do that no, they still do that a lot and they still you know say but there was this guy who owned this big health company, and um, he was really rich, and uh, he came into town, and he had, you know, all the best representation. He hired my company for publicity. He was friends with Donna Hilly and the Tree Publishing. He was going to do his publishing deal through her. He had, you know, Joel Katz helping him do all the legal work, and uh, Kitty Moon, who was a big video producer at the time, she was going to produce the... Uh, the video so he had private planes it was the first time i ever flew in a private jet and we flew from nashville to birmingham to see his band play and it was snowing and susan who had never really had any problems with flying all of a sudden becomes paralyzed and she has a death grip on me that the plane's gonna go down well the plane is like you know flying back and forth in the air and there's snow and ice on the windshield and I thought this is it you know for us and of course you know nobody cared that much Donna Hilly sitting there shoveling down a big <laughs> deli sandwich and the guys all and the Connie other Bradley guys. I think was there too wasn't she? I don't Connie think Connie there? was there but there were other people from Tree all eating because that's a big thing on these planes they bring everybody <laughs> deli sandwiches so Donna was shoveling one down and potato chips flying everywhere in the back. And I thought, this is it. We're going to go down with this idiot guy. You know, oh, I almost said his name. And, but nonetheless, we, we get to the club. But he was well known then. He, all, the, all the athletes on the South <coughs> East Coast, in particularly basketball and running, came to his place to be rehabilitated. 
But he had a band, and so we were flying to Birmingham to this club to see the band play. Tell the name of the band. I don't remember the name of the band. Honk if you like no, the No, that was the name of the single. Honk if you like the honky tonk. <laughs> so you can imagine how it was. But nonetheless, Donna Hilly had just gotten a new diamond ring. And it was a big diamond. Maybe, big. You know, like. Four carats. And she's more. in the plane, you know. And no, and at sandwiches. the club. We're at the club eating at this point. And she loses the ring and doesn't realize it. For, she's gesticulating, you know, an hour or something, and then realizes she's lost this new diamond ring, and she's, you know, and somehow or another, through the grace of God, we find it, and she actually found it in this rowdy, one of the know, guys dark, from the kitchen found it, which was amazing, um, and then we ended up doing this video for this song called "Honk If You Like to Honky Tonk." And it was like a really expensive video for those days. And he and had he, that football player. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, who was a baseball player and a football player. He somehow... He was worked, in the video. <laughs> but he, he was in the video because he went to this guy's rehabilitation place and worked out and he knew him. But the thing is, you know, Donna Hilly was so pushy about this guy. Like, this guy was going to change our life. And I had to get my friend Shel Silverstein to autograph books for him. Now, I can only tell you, Shell was not an easy person to deal with. And he didn't want to autograph. Well, Susan, why are you getting me to autograph these books? Well, there's a guy, you know, and we're working. Well, does this make the difference in your career? And in a way, it did. Nonetheless, the song obviously didn't hit. But it was probably one of the most expensive singles done in years and years and, and years. And he got all his books from And Shell. he ended up going to jail. But he taught us a valuable lesson, which was flying on a private jet. That's another That's story another we can we tell. Dealt with. <laughs> they wanted to do a whole project about George. And they did. He got all these people to... Um, to do sing for George. And it was awful because the producer of the record is now dead. Who was that? Billy Joe. Ah. He died. So meanwhile, but he was young. But meanwhile... This guy was so sleazy and crooked and he had the girlfriend and the wife, remember? And you couldn't make a mistake and say anything in front of the wife or the girlfriend. Which was which. But he, you know, came to town. He started throwing around a lot of money. We he got started George a label. to meet him. We got this album going. We, he signed Travis Tritt to a very lucrative deal. And... Uh, but, you know, he, too, made a lot of money off of him. And he, too, ended up going to prison. Not for, Travis, but this guy from this company. Yeah, he went to prison for embezzling Same money. Same thing. He became the producer of the album. He wanted to come in, and, like, if Travis was there, he wanted to produce the track. This guy didn't know production. It'd be like me saying that I'm suddenly turned into, like, you know, a, a hair, uh, a beautician. Oh, I can do the great new look for you. But this guy had never produced anything. But the best scammer we ever knew was a guy out of um, Alabama who initially came to our attention and to the attention of people in Nashville as building housing developments in uh, southern Alabama with the idea being that everybody was retiring and everybody was going to move south. And everybody wanted to be near the beach, but not on the beach because of storms and all of that. So he was building like a whole country music community in this town called Enterprise. And they had uh, 
Tracy Lawrence had a development named after him. Uh, Kicks, Brooks. Kicks Brooks had a place called Brookville or something like that. He did have a deal with Alan Jackson, but that was for Panama City because they were expanding Panama City Beach. And he had a deal with George uh, for... An uh, inn, a special inn. Well, no, originally it was for a development called the Legends. Oh, right, Legends. But as he was, you know, building and, and doing all of this, it came to his attention that slot machines were legal if they were called bingo machines in Alabama. And this had always been. And there were many casinos around that were supposedly had bingo machines, but they were slot machines. And so, you know, thinking of, you know, expanding his empire, he decided to go into the bingo business. And he built a... Um, country Crossings. Country Crossings, which was a casino and everything. He built a whole a thing down there with guest houses and all this. But the thing that she forgot to tell you is he too got into the music thing. And suddenly he was <laughs> wanted to record... An album, and he did a song called New Way Home. Which we actually released. We had to release it. That was the downside of doing business. And then he started. Scammers is that you get involved, and you can't say to the guy, look, it sucks, we can't do this. You know, but but, uh, we got him to record, and it didn't sound bad. He He made it on the charts, which, you know, most people can't make it on. And then he started two labels. And uh, but he had he he immediately got into arguments with the governor and it turned into a real political mess. But he got all these country stars, you know, Randy Owens and uh, Laurie was going down. And Laurie Morgan was going to do a hot chicken place down there. And John she did. Anderson did a steakhouse. <laughs> and we made up jackets and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but all these, these, I still have the check. All these uh, stars were involved, and we would go to um, Montgomery to the uh, government offices with all these country stars. We all had private planes flying in them. I know. <laughs> private planes would land in the field and people would come out to see us. I never knew who anybody was. But, you know, every governor well, all the of country Alabama stars. has gone to jail. All of them have gone to jail. And it all had to do with gambling and the Indians and paying the Indians and who was going to get the money. And Well, it all came down to the bingo cards. And the day that, that Country Crossings opened, they got raided. We got raided and the I know, police were I was there. fucking scared to death. I thought, oh my God, I'll, in the end of my life, I'll end up going back to prison for a bingo game. <laughs> <laughs> but he also created a festival Bama Jam called Bama Jam and he owned all this property in Enterprise, but this was right outside of Enterprise and they built um, like a huge you know bandstand in there this and a whole an festival scam I mean there, there was so many things going on that, that were involved Multi- and he had, what did he, he want to call it oh I don't remember the word but he had Taylor Swift at the... Um, at the first Bama Jam. Everybody was there. Yeah, it was huge. It was really huge. And he did and it for Evelyn several years. And I were running backstage in the mud and all of Taylor Swift's people were saying, don't look at her, don't look at her. You know, that's what they said about Dylan when we did <laughs> Willie's birthday. Don't look him in the eyes. That's the big thing. 
Don't look at Bob in the eyes. I don't want to look at Bob in the eyes. He's just another guest on the show. And Taylor, we didn't care that Taylor were there. We just wanted to end the show and get paid. But now when I drive to Panama City Beach, I go by the site and it says Pam and Jam returning. But meanwhile, there was song. another casino that uh, that this person was involved with also. And I have to say, before we go any further, this guy was the best guy to us. He was so wonderful and generous and funny. And Evelyn and I went back to see him. He ended up going to jail. And we ended up, you know, going to see him after jail and writing to him and everything. But there was a guy up in uh, Macon that had a place called... Uh, that was in... Uh Montgomery. Montgomery. What was it called? Victory Land. Victory Land, <laughs> if you can imagine. And Victory Land, see, there was nobody working in these places. It was like the poorest community, uh, the poorest, uh, I guess, community, county in uh, Alabama. But he would have, you know, he would have games and give away cars and all kind of stuff. And he was running around saying... I don't care if you're black or white or polka dot. I love you. You're welcome <laughs> in victory land. And it was just unbelievable. So anyhow, this guy that we were with ended up getting put in jail. But in terms of scammers, you know, a lot of people, you know, know who we're talking about. But uh, there was a lot of resentment that he really, you know, took advantage of people in Nashville. And there, and there was so much money, it was unbelievable. I mean, gambling makes a lot of money. Oh, my God. You know, those God. slot machines and stuff. It makes country music And he raised, like he raised, he had a lot of investors, and he raised a ton of money. And Susan and I made, you know, money, and a lot of other people made money. But, um, unfortunately, some people did lose money. And, you know, that's always heartbreaking. You work really hard to make your money, and then... You know, to lose it is a sad situation. A few people in Nashville, and there were some sports stars. and uh, But, you know, by and large, I would say that a lot of people got paid a lot of money. But he also opened up two labels. He employed a lot of people, a lot of the top people in Nashville, radio guys. All kinds of people were earning very substantial salaries, not small salaries, like for a normal independent, but, you know, big label kind of salaries. So... Um, I feel really bad for the people that lost money, but, you know, a lot of people made money. You know, that's that was part of the reason of why he went to prison was where did all that money go? But, you know, a lot of it went into Nashville because... $200 million. Everybody. Where could it go? Everybody was spending the money. And as I said, there were like lots and lots of private planes constantly. And But, you know, here a, a situation that also came up it's so funny, really. I'll tell you, this guy, he was like... Wait, don't... Well, he I liked, was going to talk about China. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to talk about Red Lobster. Because well, oh. either one is good, but China is particularly Well, that sad. wasn't him. That was one of his that partners. That was being scammed. By his partner. But one of the, the scams that a local Nashville guy got him involved in, where he told him that he was going to be to do a festival. A Nashville person that dragged who in? The, the crook? Yeah. Yeah. To do a festival in China. Wasn't that the initial thing? It was a festival? 
they were going to be bigger than Donald Trump. This was before he was president. We're going to be so big. But he was dealing with the second in command in China, whoever that was. What did they call him? The general. No, they didn't oh, call no. him the general. <laughs> uh, the chairman? Or? The chairman. And they were going to do like a Woodstock there. And every big company in the world was battling for this, to, to, to do this. And the Trump Organization and the Disney Group. But instead, they were going to give this project to this housing developer in southern Alabama. And his Nashville contingent of music business people. And they were going to do this festival. And, and as they got to know the chairman more so, <laughs> and he gave um, pearls to all the wives and everything, um, Not he decided that... that we, that this group would be the exclusive bookers of anybody that went to China to tour. And if Madonna wanted to go they to China us. to tour, they she would have to get the permit through. For, us, for me and Evelyn. And that was our job. Me and Susan were going to grant <laughs> the permits to any act that wanted to tour in China. Like, but you know, when you hear it and somebody you know for years who's won a lot of Grammys and won a lot of shit is sitting there telling you that, you that, you, that everybody has to go through us to get booked. <laughs> I thought, finally, we're going to get our due. And they were going to do this, this uh, festival. And everybody was flying to China. I mean, you know, there were probably 15 or 20 people that they sent to China to do this festival with this trio of girls that nobody had ever heard First of that class. were going to sing and they had all this merch made tons and tons of merch because they were playing like this woodstock festival well the bottom line is that the merch got there after the festival so then it all just had to be shipped back to the united states there was no <laughs> festival there was no anything and ultimately they came back to us that Instead of doing the permits for the entire country of China, we would do it for one theater. Yeah, one Chinese one restaurant 11, in Brooklyn. One 1,100-seat <laughs> theater that we would be the exclusive bookers of. And it was like... Chinatown. Like, who's going to go all the way to China to play an 1,100-seat theater? Nobody. It was all bullshit. The whole thing was bullshit. But meanwhile... But it cost millions and millions and millions of dollars, and it was all kind of like the seed of of this whole thing came out of like a crazy person in Nashville as opposed to the crook who got well, Meanwhile, screwed. we got paid for everything. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that we were making money from this. And <laughs> this guy had, this guy in uh, Alabama had a, uh, a house that we used to stay in the guest house. <laughs> we went up there. <laughs> and you know, it was a real small town in Alabama, and <laughs> Evelyn and I would smoke, you know, out in the back of the guest house. He did not smoke or do any drugs or drink or do anything. But one night, somebody from the sheriff's department showed up with some pot for us. I almost had a breakdown. <laughs> it, was, it was just hideous pot. We saved it at the refrigerator at Bandit Records for about three years. In the freezer. It was in just the, freezer the worst because it was, pot. It was the worst pot you've ever seen in your life. But so we're there at the guest house and suddenly, you know, they started being under investigation and suddenly I realized... That the house was bugged. The house was bugged. So we go out into the... And now I realize, of course, that there was probably cameras as well as, you know, just sound going on. 
but we'd run outside of the house to make phone calls. And I was so scared because I was the only one that had ever been to prison. And they didn't even know. And I was thinking, oh, my God. And when the trial started for him, every day we would go online to read this blogger's blog to see whose name was mentioned in Lo and Behold one day. Evelyn's name was mentioned. And then a private eye calls me. Some investigator. <clears throat> it wasn't a private eye. It was, was like the prosecutor's office or something. They thought we had the contacts to the, you know, the boss with the hot sauce. There he is. <laughs> but I never got called. <laughs> we had, they thought we had contacts with the fucking governor. We didn't even know the governor. We didn't know anybody. And he was so crazy, our client and friend. Um, he would just rant when he would do Bama Jam, you know, this this huge festival. He'd go on stage for about 45 minutes and pace and rant about how... Like he was how, Billy Graham. About how fucked the governor was and how, you know, he was taking the jobs away from the people. And he would just rant on and on and on. And he had T-shirts made up with, you know, fuck Riley. Kill the governor and I still have one. You know, uh, <laughs> you know we got all of our friends involved because, you know, everybody could make money. And... Uh, and do good work. We had a friend, I have a friend, John Sigenthaler, whose father started the Freedom Forum. And John Michael was a big, <laughs> he did the news on the weekend for NBC. And he, you know, is a really elegant, really articulate guy. And now he works, he does PR. And I thought, well, he could come up and do PR for this, you know, casino that's going on. So he came up and Evelyn and I and this guy, and John Sigenthaler all had to, we stayed at the house. <laughs> no, he stayed at one of the houses. In, With us. In one of the, that he had built. And John and Susan and I stayed in the yeah. house, not the guy. No. In this development. And the wind, when you could hear the walls shake. <laughs> it was so light that we could hear the wind. And my friend, John Michael, John Sigenthaler was like, What's with the house? It's going to collapse. We thought it was. And you know how windy it gets around there. And you might not have ever been there. But anyhow, John Michael got to meet him too. He did press for him. And he too made a lot of money. But I tell you, it's awful because the legitimate papers were not that into the story. And they all knew that every governor in Alabama had been sent to jail. And so, you know, the story, although it was interesting and, you know, tied in tangentially to the music business. Like the New York Times was not interested, but Fox News was. That's right. We went to New York, which leads into Red Lobster, because that's <laughs> where he liked to eat. We're in New York, and I'm thinking, God dang, maybe we'll get to go down to Little Italy. Or, or some good or restaurant. Or some someplace, you know, after we do Fox News. Oh, let's go to... Let's go to Red Lobster. I didn't even know there was a Red Lobster in New York. I know. It must be a recent thing. <laughs> I'm sure it is. We were only there at this Red Lobster about five years ago. <laughs> and we had to go to Fox. Oh, remember that weird bar we went to? Who were we waiting for there? Kurt. Yeah. He was somehow involved in this whole thing in Enterprise. Well, at the end. At the end, he took over all the press. Yeah, we weren't. We didn't. Really, we didn't do press. We were 
uh, we're not sure what we were. <laughs> we were presidents of labels. <laughs> I was the president of Country Crossing label. <laughs> I was. And you were the president of the other label. I know, we were presidents of labels. And this guy was the only artist. <laughs> no, no, there were a Who lot of people. Who else was on? Nobody. John Anderson. Oh, that's right. That late. <laughs> <laughs> John Anderson. Low cash cowboys. Lori. <laughs> Lori. <laughs> All the people we knew. <laughs> Who else was on? Was Jamie Johnson on? No. No, he was spared that. <laughs> but Jamie was involved too. <laughs> Kurt Webster became the publicist and like maybe the last year when get ready to go to jail. <laughs> we should talk about that. What? I mean, whether we are using the names or not, but, you know, of course, we're the ones to, to get in trouble. What? What are you talking about? Whether we should use names or not. Yeah, I'd say yeah. let's not use anybody's name because, I don't know, do you have, a, you know, an attorney on file? <laughs> because, you know, it'll, it'll be that we well, think we Well, it's all true. I know. I know. It's all true. And you can say anything about anybody. And anybody can sue you for $64. This last guy, we really liked him, though. He was a great guy. And he really, you know, he wanted to help all those poor people out in Macon, even though, of course, he wanted to make the millions from the casino. But you can't Not believe that all those governors went to jail. Well, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it was before, you know, I, I became so keyed into the political situation of the moment, you know, of the last number of years. Um... But it was interesting to see how crooked, you know, governments are. Oh, I mean, we because know I now. mean, they would fly people like if they were supposed to be having meetings and stuff, you know, different congressional members and panels and groups, and fly them up to Nashville to have dinner with George Jones, so that they weren't there for <laughs> the vote. We'd have to go. And the weird thing <laughs> is that you know, so they could break up the vote, and they would take the people out of the. It's not any different than what's going on. And, you know, that's what I've come to realize. It's all the same. Politics, showbiz, everything's the same. Corrupt, and everybody's greedy, and that's all they care about. Where is, you know... Oh, I know, and everybody gets so shocked, you know, like, <clears throat> in terms of, of talking about the Alabama guy, that he was such a bad guy. But, I mean... They lined up so quickly to get involved and everybody made money. You know, the only person who got screwed was him. And, you know, he was really a good guy and and he was super nice to artists. I mean, he just thought the world of and everybody. And the artists loved him and he had really good taste in music. He really did. And he, you know, he was able to go into business before all this happened with some very high rollers in New York in the music business. And he knew them all because he had a really great ear for uh, R&B. Yeah, and he, you know, helped along the way a lot of artists before he got into the whole country thing. 
but he, you know, he launched Blackberry Smoke. I mean, they were another one of the acts on the label. Um, but he always found good talent and believed in it. And just like all of us, everybody in the music business is a con artist and everybody loves music. There's not a person, I don't think that you could even walk down the street, you know, that who doesn't love music. And it's people that either don't make it as artists or, you know, want to be close to the business no matter how they can do it. Well, it's a fun business. And, you know, it gets so silly sometimes. If the you're extremes. at the right end of it. Yeah, the extremes. And you can, you know, be at both ends at some point during, you know, your journey. Now to address all the Music City myths and legends that surround country music. One of our listeners has submitted, according to Johnny Cash's housekeeper, he never wore underwear. Have you heard that? Well, truthfully, I've never heard that, but I wouldn't doubt that it's true. It could be. He didn't want to have an underwear line on his uh, jeans and black pants, I'm sure. Thanks for all the listener feedback in asking us about these various myths. Please continue to send them in. Some of them we won't know the answers to, but I bet a bunch of them we do. Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe, and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. There won't be a new episode next Tuesday, July 2nd, but stay tuned the following week for a brand new episode. And please catch up on all the ones you may have missed. So share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Sarah DeHilly. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Shavers. He is also our engineer and editor.